Welcome to Aussie Ambitions Podcast, where we meet with everyday Aussies that are pushing ahead with their goals and ambitions in life. Join your host, Scott Robert Springer, to explore the future of entrepreneurship, work-life balance, and reaching beyond your comfort zone. So stay tuned for some tips on living life the Aussie way. Welcome back to the Aussie Ambitions Podcast. We're here with a new guest today, Brett Welland, who is a longtime martial artist and a dad, and he's got a whole range of things that I definitely want to hear from him about uh, his world. So he's here with us today. Welcome, Brett. How are you? I'm great, Scott. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Wonderful. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, we had a good little intro chat about your background and some of the things you're working on. Could you just give us a little feel for uh, who you are, where you come from, and um, essentially what you're working on? Okay. Uh, well, uh, I'm a I'm a Queensland boy through and through. Uh, been based uh, on the Gold Coast in Brisbane for most of my life. Um, I spend uh, a lot of time uh, doing things with my family. I'm a, I'm a family man. I've got six kids and and uh, try and get as involved with them as, as humanly possible, as, as all dads do. Um, I'm also uh, a, an absolute fan of martial arts, have been since the age of 12. So, um, and I've been pursuing that. As, it's kind of like a life activity i guess it's 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 who i am it's how i identify myself and so that's a process of continuous development um i am also the national uh, manager for a community-based organization called omeda and um, so we work with the community um, in delivering leadership and bullying prevention programs in schools and businesses and um, in the community in general and that's an Australian-based uh, organisation, right? Certainly is. Certainly is. Yeah. Could you mention the the acronym? Yeah. So AMADA, A M A Y D A. It stands for Australian Martial Arts Youth Development Alliance. Of course, it's that's a heck of a mouthful to um, to, to churn out. So AMADA is a, a nice uh, brief, and and it's a really memorable um, title, and it works great. This is going to be really interesting to get into and I hope our listeners can appreciate that uh, we've got somebody that it's understanding of the world of uh, martial arts which is kind of on trend and a lot of people are looking at that for fitness and other reasons and entertainment and absolutely um, uh, yeah and fitness but then uh, there's the, um, the more serious side which is uh, perhaps just being confident and in internal uh, mental state and and possibly even in the bullying realm as well, uh, things like that. Can you just define the mission of, of Amada generally? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so um, Amada's mission uh, is to actually stamp out bullying. Um, that seems it's it's a, it might seem grandiose. Um, it's actually quite achievable, but you don't. There, there's strategies that you can implement and the strategies you don't implement. And the best the best mitigation strategy you can have in any case around uh, conflict management and those sorts of things is making all parties competent. Okay, so um, <clears throat> we need to understand that bullying is a natural part of of nature um, and it's about, um, like you've heard of pecking orders and that sort of stuff. I mean, that happens in animals. Well, it happens in, in people as well. But um, the... Um, there's three conditions to bullying for the, for the, for that to be in place, and what a mater seeks to do is to um, embolden uh, potential victims, targets, even bullies, with the the skills to be able to mitigate those, understand them, identify them, demystify them, and then actually take appropriate responses to those actions or those threats. Um, so, and those three conditions are it necessarily you need to be there needs to be intent involved in the attention that's that's being put on on the target. Number two, there's an, an that that attention then leads to a an imbalancing of power between the relationship, and often at the expense of 
one, one benefits at the expense of the other. And then third is it's repeated. So you need to have all, all those three conditions need to be met in order for it to be bullying, to be defined as bullying, as bullying, the definition of bullying currently stands. Um, that's not to say that people can't be violent straight off the bat, um, but that you're kind of falling into different areas around assault and, and, and those sorts of things from there. So as we know bullying, it's probably that's those three conditions are, are the, um, the most notable qualities around how we how we define that space okay i i think the um the way you described it is a uh, emission that may exist other places so other people would be supporting this in some way or is it part of a larger network of um support like uh, anti-bullying campaigns and things like that does it extend beyond australia or how's that uh well look Every society has their own um, strategies for trying to deal with this because it's a universal challenge, right? Um, what we've seen in the last decade is uh, an escalation in bullying, and it's because a lot of the measures, the measures that used to be in place have been systematically taken away. Um, so when I was young, uh, like a youth, um, if I said something to somebody that they were offended by, Quite often, those that was resolved after school or in the lunch hour behind the shed, right? And whereas it, it wasn't in, it, it wasn't endorsed, it was looked on as a as a singular incident. That's it. So long as it didn't, you know, escalate beyond uh, you know, community standards, yeah. um, it was done. It was all well and done. And like I would go, oh, okay, I won't say that to so and so again. And that person would go, good, we've sorted it out. Let's get on with things. Well, nowadays we've got you know new digital media and all these sorts of things, and there's a lot of the repercussions that used to keep everybody in check are, are removed. So now we need to have a whole bunch of new strategies that couple with old strategies. So now the old strategies aren't to try and assault anybody. The old strategies are to protect your own personal space. Mm -hmm. So what we're moving is we're moving from a combative sort of a range into a risk management sort of a process, and. Uh, you know, kids are far more savvy nowadays than uh, they were. I was at their age, um, purely because of the way society moves. The different changes in, and the temperature in the room, so to speak, as well, like what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. That's a very, very big difference um, between the generations, and it gets faster all the time. Um, and so we need to be mindful of that when we're actually giving kids strategies. Um, the biggest, I think the biggest difference um, between programs that are running schools by schools and martial arts clubs, which I endorse. Um, every parent should put their child into a If the child wants to do it, they should be doing it because it just develops every domain of the child's char uh, character in a positive way. If you find the right the right teacher, that person will be their guide for life. Okay. And they will they will espouse all of those wonderful qualities that, that we look for in the, the Mr. Miyagi kind of you know, kind of senseis or sifus or, or whatever it happens to be. But um, uh, in a schooling environment, we've also got the political side of things that you need to meet. So, you know, you can't just hit somebody. Like you're taught in, in a martial arts school, if somebody threatens you, you can respond uh, You can respond with, with an equal level of, of violence or, or, uh, or, or an attack or a defence um, according with what they're presenting you in in a schooling environment, you can't just haul off and punch somebody in the face. So we need to have other strategies around that of that still keep the person protected, but don't then breach the codes of conduct 
uh, set down by the education system and by the expectations inside that the, the, those um, those establishments. Mm. I like some of the things you brought out early, which is the um, maybe the the origins of bullying and and even the balance of uh, you know it's more natural from the wild, you know, animals. And, it is um, aggression versus uh, defending and in just this ingrained instinct and what generates it uh, is there some age where that sort of kicks in in, in humans well look you can see like you know there's there's clinical studies that range from you know from birth right right through to adulthood um and there's there's thousands and thousands of them that are, of studies that have been done by people far more qualified than myself to um to delve into but like you go through key uh, behavioral development stages in your life, and they tend they tend to align with when your body's going through the hormonal changes, um, and you're getting cognitive development and all sorts of things. So, um, and at each of these stages, you know, as as our bodies are changing, we're feeling our way in our environment, and we do that because, like you know, traditionally you would you would compete with your environment for resources, food, sustenance, water, shelter safety, security, all those sorts of things. We've become more sophisticated. So the same threats that we had, you know, 10,000 years ago we, well, are not a concern for most of us now, um, especially in the developed world. So it, but the, 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 the natural design of a human being is still, the program's still there, it's still in the DNA. So um we need, but we need to be able to, uh, and, and, the, and those needs still need, they, they still need to be met. Those impulses still need to be met, but we need to manifest them in a different way now. You can't just, you know, go off. And the trouble is, it's, there's, you know, we've got different types of personalities in people, and, and there's, and, you know, a, a person's environment also shapes how they perceive the world as well. So if you're brought up in a really hostile environment, what's normative to you is not the same as if I'm brought up in a really sheltered environment. Yep. You know, so if I just think about the the problem, so you described a, a problem that I think a lot of people are aware aware of and following, whether you're a parent or you're experiencing bullying yourself. Mm. There's lots of different layers to this, and then you know different there's different efforts people are trying to do to tackle and solve it. So is this a, a solution at the almost like the education level, or is it is it um, is it happening in the classroom, or is it more of an extracurricular uh, time where you need to spend time in person with uh, with the mentor or uh, someone to help you through this? How is it actually delivered? The actually the AMATA programs? Yeah. What we try and do uh, is dovetail in with the schools. Um, the reason for that is because you want to make um, you want to make this kind of education, this kind of training, you want to fit it in with the school's framework. So you're supporting the school's framework at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, it's very, very important that we don't look at this uh, in, in, a, in a as an isolated event. It happens across all, all schools and all areas at, at different rates and with different levels of intensity and it's manifested in different ways. But um, at the end of the day, all, all the kids in this country go through and, and all children need to be educated. So they've got to go through and the best form of education we have as a society is going to a schooling system whatever that may be. <clears throat> and so we need to work in with that framework. And it's currently the best way we have of it as, as a community, um, if you take all the outliers out of it. And 
um, to do that, you, you're then um, working in with the, the, you know, the establishment and everything else. So you can then edify the entire process. Um, and if you're working in the school, you can you're, you're dealing with the people at a, a coalface. So it's, we, we tend to think that bullying only affects the kids. It doesn't. It, bullying affects uh, obviously the target and the bully, but it also affects their family. It affects the school teachers. Um, that are trying to teach them because, you know, teachers get, no matter how they end up, people get into teaching because they love kids and they want to see kids do well and they understand the value of education. Um, so, you know, and they, they really put themselves in harm's way um, uh, in, in, in a lot of situations. Um, I, I know teachers that have had desks and tables thrown at them and have been assaulted and and they, they're expected to turn up the next day. So nobody needs to... If we can do something to mitigate that or remove it entirely and so, okay, you're upset, how's a more productive way to express it? So A, you get your message out and it's nice and clear. It's within the guidelines of the Code of Conduct uh, on how we choose as our part of our social contract on how we're going to interact. And three, so that we get a solution, yeah. right? You've got to be solution-focused. And if we keep focusing on blame, we're never going to get there ever. Because finding blame just opens back doors for people to scurry out of um, that need to accept responsibility, including all the parties that are involved. That's that's interesting. So it's using the existing fabric of society and the different channels to, to educate people and the school systems yep. and so on. Um, and I assume there would be a lot of support uh, in, in rolling this out and and correcting the course on this. Is there a kind of a supply and demand problem where you know there would be so much need for the the programs that you're offering that you could, couldn't possibly go to every school, you know, at every time. So is there, what's your level of reach? Like you'd have a, a lot of schools that you would want your services, right? You mean, you mean currently? Or? Yeah, just in the current state. So if, say, say there's a lot of program, a lot of schools that are experiencing, they've got cases of either reported bullying in the school and they would have to have an action plan to correct that. Yes. And so they'd be I bringing do. in lots of different interventions. Maybe it's a, a standard protocol they have, or maybe there's an invitation to an external group. Um, how do you manage your your rollout of how can you who can you help and how do you prioritize that? Okay, great question, great question. So how we do that is by being systematized <laughs> within Omega. So we have a process um, and uh, we manage that process end to end. So we work in with the school, but we out for our injection we manage that from end to end. So we bring in professionally trained mentors to work with the kids. So we don't put extra onus on the teachers. Teachers are already, um, you know, they're working flat out. Um, and um, in a lot of cases, they're under-resourced to being able to deal with this. And they're under-trained. They don't know how to deal with conflict. I think it's a really, really important distinction that people under, uh, the, that, that needs to be made that people don't realise. And that is the current systems that are in place, and I, I'm deviating a little bit from your question, but I think that's, will give you a good background and a good underpinning. Um, the current programs and stuff that are in place are great. They're part of a, uh, of a larger strategy and everybody's different. So multiple strategies is a really, really good process because you're making sure that you're, you're, you're covering people off. The problem is it's very, very unpopular. Or it's out of fashion to talk about it once, it once the bullying goes beyond just the verbal and the cyber and it goes into assault. Right? It's still labelled under the same umbrella of bullying, but nobody wants to face it. Right? Um, they understand it. It's it's in your face on 
YouTube every day. You can look at hundreds of videos and they're popping out all over the place. It, it happens all the time. And um, a, a lot of schools aren't going to appreciate where they're coming from because it's a litigious society. So they say, well, look, if we're going to bring a program in that deals with this and does and, and teaches kids some physical defense uh, strategies, um, are we going to get sued? Are we going to get this? Are we going to get that? But if you don't do it and somebody dies, what's going to happen? Right. And the trouble is, um, like any social construct that's put in place, if you leave opportunities there for people to take advantage of them, they just will because that's what we do. That we, we, We're always looking for a, to, to move further or beyond. So um, all the pro, a lot of the programs that are out at the moment, the initiatives that are around are, are fantastic in and of themselves, but they don't go far enough. They don't cover off the the whole process. And, and it, there's a, a wonderful statement that Glenn Rushton, Jeff Horn's um, coach, made in an interview last year, and he said, the kid that's sitting on the bus getting punched in the back of the head knows he's being bullied. What are you going to do about it? And this is the problem. All the problem. All the programs that we look at now, um, the approved ones, um, deal with the awareness, which is super important. It's really, really important. But what happens if they've gone through all those processes? And I like to coin it as the gap control. Right, the distance between myself and the adversary closes to zero, which means that we've got a physical engagement. How do they then protect themselves appropriately? Right, and in accordance with the threat level that's presented to them, because we've got different levels of threat. Somebody could be just be pushing you. Somebody could be trying to stab you. Now it's well and good to say turn your back and walk away, but what if you can't walk away? And that that happens a lot. Okay, um, the worst possible outcome that you can get for that is the deer in headlights scenario, where the child's trying to process a response and can't think of anything, just stands there and gets bashed. And you see that a lot which means that kids don't know how to handle this type of conflict. Now, I'm not proposing turning kids into gladiators. I think it's a very bad idea because what we want to do is we want to make kids really competent, right, but have restraint, right? Understand that just because I can doesn't give me the right to do. And I think these are the lines that have been blurred as a community and as a society in recent years, probably the last 15 years, and it is this, the great push forward, we've forgotten to check, make sure the checks and balances are in place to to keep us grounded and it's somebody else's problem to deal with. I'm just driving forward. Well, you can't set fires and just keep running because eventually you'll burn everything down, mm. right? And that's what's important. It really, really, you uh, if you look at anybody, any leader uh, in the world today, um, um, and I'm talking like, like people that have huge amounts of responsibility on their shoulders, any great leaders, and military, whether they be military leaders, whether they be educational, spiritual leaders, whatever, they're super, they're super capable, but they had this restraint. They can create, they could create havoc if they wanted to, but they don't. They and, and and it's not done by accident. It's an intentional decision. No, I don't need to do that because I have these other options available to me. And you tend to find the ones that cause all the damage have these really, really narrow um spaces with which they can function in. They're very good at that. They're kind of like hyper-focused on that one thing, but that's all they do well. And it's it's that's not a good deal. Over-specializing is not a good thing. Mm. Uh, I like I like what you described in terms of the, uh, I guess, the, the challenge and, and maybe the specifics about how you would uh, equip people with, essentially, it's 
uh, knowledge. There's an awareness piece, being able to recognize situations yeah, yes, and not being caught off guard to know, okay, uh, you know, I realize what's happening and therefore I can have a response. Now, different levels of uh, kids would have different maturity levels to, yeah, yeah, you know, and, but yeah. I guess that's all would be part of it, age appropriate. Of course, yeah. Um, and then there's also a piece around the discipline. And I think that probably comes from lots of ways, but martial arts certainly would have a discipline mentality. Yeah. And uh, I like that there's a specific way to introduce that. And I'm thinking, thinking through schools and programs. I've got a kid as well. Um, and I see some some great things coming through, but in terms of discipline, I'm not actually sure where people are getting, you know, that that internal, is it coming from the family influence? Where do kids get discipline from in terms of making the right judgment call? Well, the the, the discipline's, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny sort of a, uh, a thing. It, it's, it's such a valuable commodity. People have just literally have no idea how valuable discipline is and focus is. If you don't have discipline and focus, you can achieve literally nothing, which makes you an anchor in society, right? If you're so flighty and so flitty and 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 um, you're really feeble in the, in the way that you conduct yourself, the way that you self-manage, if, um, if you have zero willpower, um, and I'm not saying, you know, I, I think it's counterproductive to say, oh, you know, um, to, to, to make light of it. I think that, you know, if you, there's a massive need for personal agency and by personal agency, I mean all those qualities that where we self-govern, okay? It doesn't mean that you get it perfect, right? Matter of fact, people that self-govern really brutally get it wrong a lot more than they get it right, but they try not to make the same mistake twice, right? And they're always on the, on the hunt for improvement, right? Self-improvement. And they're very mindful of how they improve, Right, it's not that they don't improve at the expense of somebody else, which is really, really important. If we're going to live in a community, it's it's important that people move forward. Right, you're going to have leaders that that break ahead of everybody else and break new ground, and you know you got all sorts of people. I mean, we've there's a, there's a stack of people in the world today that are so far ahead of everybody else. It's crazy, right? But what's really important is if you get that far, if you get ahead, don't leave devastation in your wake. Right, and 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 that's kind of like what bullying does. Bullying, bullying, people that are, are bullies seek social validation through intimidation and power, essentially. Now, they're just trying to move up the social hierarchy. Okay, but they're doing it the wrong way. It's a natural thing to do. And when we were going around and beating each other with the clubs, it was an appropriate thing to do. Matter of fact, in the Middle Ages, it was still appropriate to do that. Okay, that was the norm. But it's not this—it's not the accepted standard anymore. We can't do that, right? Um, so that means that what was once relevant is has now been superseded. There are better ways to do it, right? And so we need to embrace that. Now, the reason that kids bully is because they have a very, very limited skill set of tools with which to be able to express themselves and assert their dominance. Yeah. Right? They're just trying to get, they're trying to get to where everybody else is getting. They just use a really antiquated way of getting there. Do you think it's, a, is it a fallback position where, um, because they're not equipped with any knowledge in that scenario, then it's literally back to more of a biological instinct and a- Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. like a primordial impulse. Yeah. Um, so, and, um, you know, the, the, like I said, you know, that's that's reflected in animals, in the animal kingdoms, wolves, chickens, just about everything that, that has a heartbeat. Even plants will compete, right, for sunlight. 
and they'll choke the living daylights out of anything else to get to the sunlight, which is in and of itself, that's a hierarchy of needs. Okay. It's interesting. I mean, in the school system, I can imagine them uh, presenting very clearly right from wrong. Yes. So there's probably a lot of the moral, yep. what to do, what not to do, and don't be doing that and, you know, do the right thing. Um, maybe just the Australian take on that. Is there a, a societal sort of just do the right thing attitude or what's your feel on being here and growing up here? Well, I mean, um, in the 70s and the 80s, heavily Christian, Catholic, Christian sort of underpinnings. So like our whole legal system is based on Christianity. So um, you, you're going to see a lot of the, the social normatives and, and, and expectations. They're going to fall in line with that sort of Christian belief system. Um, and that's and that's pretty similar, you know, across the globe. You know, don't steal from somebody. It's not a good idea. Um, you know, if you you know, you know, if you want something, earn it, and, and these sorts of things. Um, don't kill people. That's not a good idea, right? Uh, for social harmony. Um, so it, you know, but as we've got, as 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 we've moved ahead, I think the great rush to be is as 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 good as everybody else globally when we don't have the population to support it, we don't have the land mass that really allows us to, or we haven't utilised our land mass as well as we could have to be, then be able to expand our population base and our, our, and our resources. Um, it, it puts you at a distinct disadvantage and the trouble is in the great race to get to being able to compete on a world stage with these other things, we've let a bunch of other things go and the things that we've let go are the, are the kind of the laid back things that, People used to identify with Australia as being that's why you go to Australia. Laid back, take it easy, you know, enjoy yourself, um, you know, give everybody a fair go. There used to be a thing called a fair go, mate, you know, fair go. And that, that was a saying, right, back in the 80s and I don't know, the 90s maybe. But it, it, all of a sudden it became, no, that's, that's not relevant anymore because we want to get sexy and we want to compete on a world stage. Well, that's actually what everybody loved about Australians was that we were Fairly laid back, fairly easygoing, um, and um, that's not to say that we weren't sophisticated. It was just we could <laughs> we didn't take ourselves too seriously, you know. Um, there was a lot more tolerance back then too. Um, the cases of racism that was back then were really, really blatant, um, and I'm not ever I would never condone or endorse that. Um, but we knew how to. I think we were a lot more socially accepting back then because Australia was. You know, it was rather eclectic sort of a mix mm. of people. That's interesting. There's a couple of points that you mentioned. Um, I think that just the historical aspect. I mean, you still hear it today, whether it's politicians or on the media, that, you know, Australia, the land of the fair go. And yeah. they're, they're trying to, I think, keep it going so that people <laughs> feel like you can go get it and we're going to treat you fairly and, and uh, take a chance and you're not going to be penalized or there's some kind of safety net somewhere. Yeah. Um, but your feeling is generally perhaps it's on the decline or, or there's a little bit more of a critical eye. People will judge you, or uh, I don't know. I, I just I, I I think the the very things that we used to love about Australia, people are letting go in the great pursuit to be the same as everybody else. Well, that's what that's what makes you unique. Why would you want to get rid of those things? It doesn't mean just because you want to compete on a world stage doesn't mean other things have to sacrifice to to do that. Think good things, good institutions shouldn't shouldn't be let go. You might improve them along the way and that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, I think it's just it's. I think it's the the way of the globe. People take themselves far too seriously. I think you can be serious about things without taking yourself so seriously that you, you know, that somebody can't look at you sideways without you getting offended, and that actually means something. 
Mm. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. And I think a lot of people can relate and they're probably thinking through, okay, in their country, their home country, how is it different or the same mm. or mm. what's the evolution of things? So um, in terms of just the overseas balance, have you been overseas? Have you traveled a bit or? Once, once I got to go to Russia. So I, I, in 2017, I was blessed to go to Russia with my martial arts. Um, and uh, I got to... Uh, I got to say some wonderful people, super generous people, just really, really nice people, very genuine. And um, I was over there with, um, I was competing in the European Championships and I was lucky enough to to do okay over there and did a grading over there and came back. It was the first time I was out of my country and and I got to go to Russia. It was a real, it was a real eye-opener. That's I, quite a leap. Yeah, it was, yeah. Is there any English over there at all? Yeah, well, yeah, some, thankfully some people, yeah, they could, um, they, I mean, in, in, they they study um, English in a lot of European countries. Russia is one of them. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was uh, in the uh, like the train stations and stuff. Not so much. More the public, not the not the the, the government sort of areas. But um, uh, and it's really hard to. I got no idea what you're reading. Um, but um, the the people there were you know they they. A lot of them can speak broken English and that sort of stuff. So, mm. and I had no idea where I was. <laughs> I couldn't speak Russian at all. But the people there were super genuine and just amazing people. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm still friends with them on you know via social media um, to this day. So we still we still stay in touch and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, really amazing people. That's interesting. Yeah, I've I've been there myself and uh, and have family even cultural ties to it. And so it's been an interesting place. I only visited once, um, but uh, yeah, it's one of those places that. It's got a place in the world, and everyone's trying to monitor what's going on. But I know I martial know. arts is kind of it's kind of unifying in a sense. Well, this is the great thing about martial arts is like a brotherhood across the globe. Here's the here's the thing: like um, a lot of people ask me about, uh, why would you do martial arts and not do regular sports? And I, I used to play every sport that you could put in front of me. I would play it, um, and I'd compete as hard as I possibly could. But when I found martial arts, it was just oh wow, this is this is what I was built for. And the great thing about martial arts. Um, when you compare it with other sports, you know, I would, I'm not running down other sports, but this is what makes, in my mind, what makes martial arts stand out is I can go to somebody from America whom I've never met, uh, or, uh, in Greece or Japan or China or wherever and say, I'm a martial artist. And if they're a martial artist, the first thing I want to know is what style do you do? Who is your master? Who's this? What's your lineage? What's it? If I'm a tennis player and I go to Russia and I go, I'm a tennis player. Another tennis player goes, I don't care, right? Or if I'm a football player, oh, well, I, don't really, I, I don't really care. Soccer player, maybe, I, I don't know. But I can guarantee you, like in, in the martial arts circles, and I'm talking boxing as well, boxing shares that kind of thing because everybody wants to know who you trained under. Mm -hmm. And so there's this, uh, there's, there's a real difference in the way that it's perceived in the people that actually practice it. So it's a real martial arts is a cultural thing. Tennis and everything, and tennis and soccer. And, you know, there's countries like in Europe, soccer is everything, or rugby union in New Zealand, everything, right? That's everything. But if you're if you're a regular Joe, plays rugby union, and you go to France, and you meet somebody there who plays rugby union, they go, oh, that's, that's good. It's, they don't want to know who your coach is and what club is, and you know, unless they're a mad keen fan. Whereas in martial arts circles or in combative style circles, that's a standard. That's a standard question. And that's what I love about it. It's everybody sort of joined, even though I've never met you. I respect you, and I, you know, and and I want to know about what you do, and because it's a way to 
Uh, martial arts is, um, well, for me anyway, and for a lot of people that I know, it's not just a thing we do. It's how we actually express ourselves in an artistic way. That's an interesting inside look. I mean, I must say I've definitely followed martial arts over the years and the different aspects of it, um, whether it's just the athletics or the competition or the media and entertainment side of it and just the cultural adoption yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and I definitely want to cover that, so thanks for bringing that up. Sure. I just want to make the link between the perhaps the uh, Meta mission and then where martial arts fits in. So is martial arts, uh, is it sort of like problem and solution? And, and that's a big part of it, which is just being equipped with physical capabilities or how do you link the the anti-bullying with a martial arts um, okay. expertise? Well, the most important thing to remember in martial arts is not the physical aspect of it. They're just exercises. Okay, so the physicality of martial arts is 10% of the thing. Right. Um, uh, that's not to say that it's not important, but the important thing is personal development improvement, right? Becoming a better human being. So in martial arts circles, that comes through study of self, discipline, honor, you know, restraint, um, integrity, all of these, all of these earmarks sort of characteristics that, that we value quite highly in our society or in civilized societies is emboldened in martial arts studies pretty much universally. Um, those principles are what a mater brings to the table to teach young people about how to develop self-confidence and self-awareness. That's how to self-actualize. And that's how you that's how you eventually attain personal agency. So um, you can't you can't teach a child about respect if you're not respectful. Okay, you can explain it all day long, but it means nothing. You need to lead. And um, and so, and that, that includes yourself. If you don't respect yourself, a child will see straight through that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really important. And the thing is, the longer you study martial arts, the more you understand that you've, you've got your stuff together because you become more dangerous as you come along. But you, as you get more dangerous, you're supposed to develop more restraint because you understand the ramifications of what you're capable of doing and manifesting. Now, am I going to be an agent for destruction or creation? Right, that, and that 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 requires restraint and choice, and that's personal agency. Like, as that's about as as best as I can encapsulate that whole concept around that. Um, and it's easy to swing both ways. And um, I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with the yin and the yang symbol and the mm -hmm. Tao Te Ching. And um, the great thing about the black and the white, with the white dot inside the black serpent and the black dot inside the white serpent mm. is that it shows that there's a positive and negative side to us at all times and at any given point in time we can switch between those which you drive your car through the city for five minutes and get cut off and see how kind and nice you are you feel you know the first thing you do is rant and rave and jump up and down but you can if you stop and you should you go oh you know I, I don't need to go there and that's kind of like a that's 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 personal agency it's taking ownership of it and, and we're all on a journey and it doesn't mean you're perfect. You make mistakes all the time. The more you challenge yourself, the more mistakes you make. How, um, I would say almost like I want to say, is this, how mainstream would this approach be? Is this a little bit of a, uh, a, a new approach where um, you need to educate people on the benefits of taking this approach? You know, they might be used to a bit more of a uh, conservative or an awareness approach. You know, we're going to do an awareness campaign. We're going to yes. send out a few newsletters and yeah. uh, this kind of thing. But uh, I'm just thinking in the world at large, is would you feel like 
this is happening elsewhere or is, is no no this is the only here? this is the only thing is to my knowledge other than if you're going to go and study traditional martial arts which is going to take you a long time so we've got to also be mindful that we're on a time frame with kids so while children are exposed to threat the longer you expose them to threat the greater the damage that's done to them for a long term uh, with long-term repercussions so f for example um while children are young if they're exposed in those developmental stages in life to toxic levels of bullying, i.e. really, really hyper um, intense um, exposure to stress and duress and anxiety. That reprograms the brain. Um, and what it does is it makes the child hypersensitive to stress, which means that kids don't know and that and the brain will re-engineer itself to that stimulus. So if you're in a, once again, if you're in a nurturing environment, the brain goes, okay, well, this is the status quo. If you're in a really hostile environment, really caustic, chaotic, violent um, environment, well, violence is normative. So uh, we need to understand that. And the trouble is um, in today's day and age especially, if kids are um, subjected to that, 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 that level of trauma for long enough, and it reprograms their brain, they become hypersensitive to stress, which means that they react rather than respond first and foremost. That flight or fight or flight system is the literally the first response because any degree of stress is deemed as uh, kind of like saturation. You're saturating the brain with overstimulus. And so they become, um, uh, um, it's a, it's a hippocampic and um, amygdala function. So it's, when they're overstimulated and they've been um, and they don't function the way that they're designed to, it creates a huge amount of damage within the system and within the body. And so we need, and but we can avoid this. We can avoid this, and you can do that by um, teaching kids about personal agency and resilience. And these things are really important, not just for a social culture, not not for a social normative um, uh, framework, but from a, from an individual individualistic strategy on how to cope with life life isn't fair it's not, it's not, but it's not not about being fair right we 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 muddle through it as best we can and um the better the sets of tools we have to deal with that the better the outcome mm. right so if, if you're trying to use a stanley screwdriver on a phillips head screw you'll get the job done but boy you make a mess of it mm. This is this is very useful, and I think there'll be a lot of takeaway aspects. I really like that there's consideration for this, the psychological aspect, the mm -hmm. biological aspect, and then it's sort of at what point do you intervene? And so what age do you think, or in your experience, is is not the right age, but on, on all in general, what age are we starting? Well, we start, like we, we, we run off um, statistics that are taken, um, and we, we, we get them from the Bureau of Statistics, obviously. So there are studies done on... Um, uh, the frequency of um, um, incidents and that sort of thing. Um, so we tend to see now the ages sort of 10 to 14 are the highest peaks. Now, um, inside, that, inside the, that, that group, that population, um, there's different types of bullying. So there's physical bullying, there's verbal bullying, there's covert bullying, which is emotional, like under undercutting people's emotional um, and um, uh, relational um, frameworks. 
and then taking advantage of that, obviously, once they're socially isolated. And then there's cyberbullying, which cyberbullying outstrips everything. So cyberbullying is almost as much as everything else put together. Um, the, and the big the big risk with cyberbullying is, God, you, there's just literally no – people can just say anything they want with literally no comeuppance, right? And so much so that there's massive – like the police have just um, – well, the government has just um, brought new laws in around – um, uh, bullying in the workplace and cyberbullying and penalties and that's and they're, and they're massive fines, but you've got to get the person, and it's very very difficult to do. And kids are really savvy uh, nowadays, so unless they put themselves in the in in the picture, um, it's very very difficult. So what we do is we actually teach kids about how to manage that space, um, and obviously we teach the kids how to manage that space in accordance with what the the legal obligations and accountabilities are, and also with what their school and their social expectations are. So it's not about like you know, getting back at them. We're not going to get back at them. That's not going to help anything. It's kind of like putting fuel on a fire, right? Um, and how many people can you win against? It's you and then you, if you just keep escalating it, it's not going to win. So that's not getting you the best outcome for you. So that's what we're focusing on. What? How do you get the best outcome for you? All right, well, the best outcome for you is for that activity to stop. How do we make it stop? Well, let's build a brief, right? Let everybody around you know what's going on so that you've got – you know, people with authority who can actually make some judgment calls on your behalf if you get a bit too far into it. But here, capture the evidence, right? Record the evidence. Make a journal, right? Take take a brief along to an authority figure and then allow them, give them the authority then to act appropriately and then follow their directions. It's very, very important that we actually get systematized on this sort of stuff because we just have to now. Yeah, I see what you mean in terms of system, and I can see how that could be um, supported where you set up the framework and then it can be supported more widely uh, through the school level. And the good thing is, too, we've got, um, you know, um, we've got partnerships with not-for-profits such as Bullyproof Australia that's got online communities. Um, so you can go to those sort of places and get – there's more support systems there. There's helplines there. So what we need to do is we need to – if I was going to be if I was going to be a carpenter and I only went to to the job with a hammer, okay, I wouldn't be much of a carpenter. Okay, I would be useful in a really really narrow <laughs> um, application. But if I went with a full toolkit and I've got my compressor and guns and saws and everything else, all of a sudden I can I can I can address a number of challenges or tasks. And this is what we want to give the kids. Um, we want to give them um, the information and the knowledge to be able to make the right decision. Because you can have a decision, right? You can make a response, but is it the appropriate response? Um, I'll give you an example about that. There was a, there was a, young, uh, a young child who had um, been experiencing bullying um, uh, at a school and uh, he took a knife to school thinking that this was a, an appropriate response to that threat. Now, he got in a lot of trouble for that. Um, but when the investigation took place, what they didn't realize is he had been, he wasn't being bullied for a week. It was like six months and it was intense. And what we need to remember is um, kids nowadays are inextricably linked to social platforms. That is how they communicate. Now, when we were growing up, we would talk face to face. There was no iPhone. There was no phones at all, like no, no mobile devices, no internet. So if you had a problem with somebody, you had to sort it out face to face or avoid them completely. Right, that was the only way you could deal with it. Um, if somebody rang you up with a prank call, you just hung the phone up. But that's not that's not the world today, so we can't use those old strategies. They're outdated, 
Okay. So what we need to do is we need to come up with strategies that are going to meet these requirements now. Now, that means um, if kids are inextricably linked into their social platforms, you can't just say, turn your phone off. Because now you've got social isolation happening to the to the victim. So now they're being locked away with all their problems. They don't get to socialize with their friends and, and that sort of stuff. And we're a communal beast. We absolutely have to do that. I mean, one of the worst punishments you can get in jail is, social, is you know, isolation, right? right? We, there's a reason they use that as a punishment, right? It breaks you down psychologically and then you become complicit. Uh, you'll, you'll comply with whatever the demands are given now. So that's not a that's not a great solution. It's a solution, but it's not a great solution. The better solution is let's teach you a few skills on how to deal with this. Let's teach you how how do I how do I bring this to somebody's attention who can make a difference. And there's a difference between telling a friend if you're 12 and you're getting hassled at school. You absolutely tell a friend because then there's a witness. But don't expect that that's going to make it better. Right, because they're going to have the same solutions as you. You need to get to an authority figure who can make a decision and who can look at it objectively and go, you know what, that's not acceptable. We need to step in and we need to do something about this. Mm. Right? Or they might say, listen, you, are you sure you might be overlooking this? You might be overcooking it a bit. You know, it, it, it doesn't meet those three criteria. Is it repeated? Is it designed to imbalance power so that you lose and they win? Is it, you know, are you being singularly targeted? And it could be somebody having a bad day. Right, That's so. interesting. I appreciate the example because it's uh, it helps bring it to life a little mm, bit in terms yeah. of what it actually is. You hear a lot of these buzzwords and it's really easy to get caught up. And it is. You think you're supporting the cause, but uh, if you know really what to look out for. And um, when I did see on your website, there was something that was uh, came out quite clearly to me, which is it's not about necessarily equipping the people one-to-one, -one, but perhaps you can look out for bullying as well. So you look to recognize it. So, Absolutely. So by there, you have like an ampl amplification uh, so you're sort of just addressing it across the 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 group or the the school well, or the community. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and if you want to create change, right, you start with a single. But if you want to change culture, then you got to it, it's got to be a, it's got to be a, a it, it, it's got to be a cause, right? So what what we espouse in the program is okay, take care of yourself and the person next to you, right? Everybody does that. So the, there's. You know, if you go by the, if you <laughs> stations of the cross, if you go by the uh, the the, uh, the compass, north, south, east, west, right? If I take care of all those people around me and I'm keeping an eye out for them, and then every other person does the same thing, you build a community, and if you build a community, you can build a culture. It's powerful stuff. I mean, you think that that's critical for the youth, but then it equally applies. It to works for everybody. Everybody. So if only is, that was. We got We got to stop being. Embraced. Well, see, we're so polarized in our views nowadays. We're polarized in the way we see the world. We're polarized, and it's been like we've kind of done this to ourselves, right? Because um, the need for communication, like, there's been this really, really powerful movement about the volume of communication rather than the quality of it, right? So never never in history have we had so much ability to communicate on so many different levels and yet been so narrow in the way that we communicate. Mm. I think that's interesting to hear you describe it that way because there'd be a lot of, you know, threads of conversation around the way we're headed, you know, technologies impacting society in this way and that way. Um, but it's more about, um, you know, perhaps the intervention. You don't hear much more about that. So nobody's really got the answers. And um, like for something like this, 
uh, you mentioned the age peak was perhaps 10 around there. 10 10, to, yeah, between 10 and 14. 10, 14. So, so 12 to 13 is the, the purple zone. There. I would have expected it would have been a, younger. And I'm wondering if it's maybe trending younger because if you're mentioning cyberbullying cyber being the big weight of it, where it's, it's, it's huge, over, it's massive. And that's understandable. And now there's new platforms like TikToks come out. And yep. I think younger kids are using that probably more than um, maybe, I mean, YouTube's an element where they disable the comments for yeah, kids, yeah, kids yeah, related that's right, programs. Yeah. So there's some things happening. Well, there are certain pro there's certain platforms that are being set up just for kids. Like that's what they're aimed at. Now they're obviously marketing tools, but the way, like all the different uh, things that you can put on your, your presentations that you design are very, very childlike, you know, sparkles. And that's, that's, that's aimed to get, capture that market. Right, um, so it's understandable that they would get younger. I mean, a, a really interesting stat, uh, not from a, in, from Australia, but from overseas, from America, and Australia tends to, you know, we, we tend to be on the same dimensions as America when it comes to trends. Um, is in the last decade, bullying has tripled in America, it hasn't got better; it's tripled. And in Australia, we've, we're spending more money now than we ever have before, which means that the problem is is still there. Suicides, the average suicide, like um, su the band. For suicides, used to like a decade ago, we're sort of sitting like you'd be shocked if you heard a twelve-year-old committed suicide. I heard the other day that that slid right down to eight-year-olds. Eight-year-olds committing suicide because of bullying. That's an eight-year-old. It's a baby. And if that's if that's not a national tragedy, I don't know what is. Right? We're, we're robbing the world of eighty years of creativity and beauty and. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't understand how people can justify it. That's one thing I wanted to just ask your your feeling on because uh, you've obviously you've equipped and you've got a very well thought out. Um, and it's based on. I feel like you, you bring a lot of personal elements, so the martial arts ex expertise. Um, and it's, it's it's pretty amazing, and it's easy to uh, be enthusiastic about where this is headed. But do you feel at some point overwhelmed where it's sort of, well, there's a lot of negative forces that are pushing things in a certain direction and then you're trying to counter that? Well, look, there's, there's always resistance, okay? Um, there's always resistance because everybody's got their own idea on how it should be dealt with and how it's this. And, and there's certain, there's different types of personal agency. So how much personal responsibility do I take to try and ameliorate this problem? Right, and there's other people who go. Well, it's not my problem. It's not affecting me directly, so it's not my problem. Why should we? Why should we do it? Well, the reason we do it is because we 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 see that there's a need, and this is the the thing I think we were talking about earlier on, and, and that is the right thing to do is to do the right thing. Knowing the right thing to do is not the same as doing the right thing, right? Knowing that you know, oh yeah, oh that person over there needs help. But le leaving them struggling and, and failing needlessly is not the right thing to do. The fact that you can, you can identify it in the first place really means that you should be going over and you should, should be, if you can, you should lend some assistance. It doesn't mean carrying people, right? There's, there's a big difference in that because there's no, there's no personal agency in that. Okay. But it, what, what's, what's, what's really important around this is if we can make a positive difference, we bloody well should. That's what being an adult is. That's what being a good human being is. And I think people are forgetting that, right? And uh, in, in in some instances, and there's and then there's other people that are just phew, you know, amazing. You know, they 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 put themselves in front of a bus if it was going to help someone. Um, and 
you tend to find that the ones that put their hands up all the time, <laughs> it's the same people, right? They're, they're, they're constantly doing that. And what we need to, we need to understand that because this is a community challenge, it's not going to work if it's only satellite people that are jumping up and doing all the, we've got to stop this, we've got to turn it around. Everybody needs to work together. And then, you know, use the old team analogy, together, together everyone achieve, achieves more. That makes a lot of sense, right? If we're going to pick up a heavy object, if you get half a dozen people to pick it up, it's nowhere near as bad as if one person tries to struggle with it on their own. That makes no sense. So, you know, this is what it is to live in a community. That's what, that's, that's what the whole community thing is supposed to be about is we work together for the betterment of everybody so that we all get to move forward, right? Um, and uh, communication's at the heart of that. You've got to have good communication around all that. It'd be very interesting to see where this conversation fits in into the, whether it's global. I mean, this will have some global exposure. Uh, there'll be local people. I mean, certainly uh, we want to invite people to be aware and follow and, and participate and yeah, support. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, is this uh, at every level of... Um, like in Australia, is it just Queensland schools, or does it have some national scope to it? Well, we're actually I've, I'm, I've, I'm I'm in communication now with a couple of really fantastic people in the community in uh, New South Wales, over in Perth. Um, we're up the you know <laughs> up in Cairns at the moment. Um, the CEO and, and and the manager for all our mentors, um, they're up in Rockhampton at the moment. We've got a fantastic new school that's starting. I just spoke to the principal today. He's taking that on. Um, there's a group of amazing people up in Rockhampton that just are very, very passionate about um, getting these types of training in, in, involved in, in the community. Um, we've got a, I'd love to drop name drop, but I'm not, they asked me not to. There's from the business sector. This is probably the most important um, part of what I do. Um, so I, my national role is across a number of domains, but the, the primary one is developing business relationships and then. You know, bring businesses to help bring businesses on and, and then support programs. Um, and I know that there's a lot of businesses out there that want to get connected into a, they want to, they'll set a certain budget aside every year to get to charities and whatever. I don't think you could make a better investment in the future of this, of this country. And the reason for that is if you, if, if a school is, pro, is designed to educate kids in a certain way so that they'll be productive members of society and they're producing broken vessels, what do you think is going to be running your country in 20 years, right? Um, and, and secondarily, if we, could, if we could head that off, if we've got a way to head that off and it's cost effective and it's cheap and all it takes is everybody getting on board and everybody going, you know what, let's do some trials. Let's, because the funny thing is like, with our programs, we've been running there for two years, right, a little bit longer, but two years in earnest, gathering data, that sort of stuff. And we've got quantifiable data from the kids that we've asked. How do you feel about yourself that you've done the program? Do you feel more confident? Um, like 90%, so it's a 94 plus percent from all the kids we've surveyed come back saying, I feel more confident. And, and like it's in the high 70s that um, kids would say, uh, kids feel confident enough after doing the program to intervene on behalf of somebody else who they witnessed were being bullied. Because we, we put a huge amount of focus into you, but also your your community, the people around you. If you see something wrong going on and you can do something about it, you should. Now, that doesn't mean put yourself in danger or in harm's way, obviously. That could be get a teacher. That could be, you know, if you're going to take a, a picture of something for evidence, it's fine. Don't take a video and then put it on the bloody YouTube. Right? That doesn't help anybody. Okay? that's that's That perpetuates it. 
That that's the mob mentality, right? We don't want that. And we teach kids, don't do that. And we get into conversations like our lessons are broken up into theory, um, technical study, so technical techniques and so forth, and that could be de-escalation techniques, negotiation techniques role, through role plays, and then the third part is actually applying that in a, in, a, in, a, in a role play situation, right? So we talk about the theory around respect, right, and how that manifests in, in, in a community and what it brings as a, as a positive and what happens if it's, if it's not there because you need to understand both sides of the ledger. And kids nowadays, because uh, they, they think in icons, right, they've been educated that way with phones and all the rest, it's all icon-based thinking, there's not a lot of lateral processing that goes on. So they don't, they don't make the connections, right, because they only think if I, if I press this, I get this response. So they go from response to response to response but never understand the transition in between those decisions, So, which means that they don't know how to reverse engineer out of it. So if they, for instance, if they were getting into a conversation with somebody and then get into an argument with somebody, how do you get yourself back out of that argument? How do you read the signs, right? Oh, this is going to a place that I don't want it to go. Okay, I need to back this off. I need to apply some strategies around, let's just calm down. This, we're not going to achieve anything if we if we let this keep going the way it's going to go. If, if, if this keeps going, it's just going to be a wildfire. So let's just calm down for a second and try and, and try and find a, a common ground, something like that, right? Um, and you know, we teach kids about you know getting each other's don't get in each other's faces, uh, respect your own personal space. Um, the analogy is if you can control your personal space on a three hundred and sixty degree axis, you're safe. And if you think about that, you it's a, that's a truism. That's good. That's helpful. I mean, it's it's visualizing it. It's yeah. putting yourself in the yeah in that position. So. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, I think these are great insights into exactly the the challenges and and I guess the program itself. Yep. I mean, is there something where I mean, you're a, you're a parent yourself. You got a family, and you're you know probably working at education at all levels. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there? I think I saw on your website there was some perhaps some take home kits or some some educational digital resources. Is that something yeah, that's in place? Absolutely, we have them on the website, so they can download them. They can get them. The, the best place to go is to bullyproofaustralia.org. And, um, and become a member. Uh, you can become a member of that community. You can download resources. You can actually get the full level one intervention program on videos, 80 videos, um, plus a whole stack of manuals, um, like user guides on how to do it, how to, how to actually do the program, which will give you all the strategies, goes through all the, the different conversations you can have. Um, so it's designed around, and it's designed around bringing the family together as well. And it's, it's five bucks a month. So are those resources for parents or for teachers? For, they're for parents, teachers, kids, the whole thing. The oh, whole okay. thing's been designed that way. Okay. Right? It's, it's designed to, to bring awareness but give skills. Um, and it's literally it's five dollars a month that they can allocate what school they want that money to go to. Right? So it, it even goes back into a school that you nominate. Yeah. Um, so, and that, that, then that money then gets pooled to pay for programs for schools or help fund programs. That's for schools that want to do it. It's a great way. It's a great way to do it, um, but it's at, at the end of the day. Um, I, I, look, I appreciate there are some people that go, "Look, I don't want my kids learning a martial arts style. I don't believe in violence." And I've, I've, I'm across that, and, 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 and I appreciate that. What you need to understand, though, is unless you intend to wrap them in cotton wool for the rest of their lives, they at some stage. If you don't give them some knowledge around this uh, this part of humanity, 
you leave them open to being taken advantage of. And we wouldn't, you know, we would kick up a stink if we sat a child down in primary school and put them from P3 to year six, but only educated them to year five and then assessed them at a year six level. We'd be losing our minds over it. So it's a ridiculous idea, yet we do this every day when it comes to conflict. And the fact of the matter is teachers are not trained to deal with conflict. They're taught how to teach. Right? Um, if you want to learn about conflict, you go to a professional, you go to a policeman, you go to a military person, you go to a martial arts instructor, you go to a boxing coach. Right? You go to somebody who's got experience in it because it's more than just somebody throwing a punch. There's a psychology behind it that... That, that activates way before you ever get to a physical stage. And if you understand the psychology to it, and if you understand the transitional, the, 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 the milestones and the transition between um, conceptualization and actuation, you can avoid it. But you need to understand how that works. Right? And you can't do it by reading it out of a book. You can't do it by watching a video. You, it, it will give you an understanding, but if you're going to get really skilled in this, you need to understand it from actually doing it. It's one of those things that you need to understand because you need to understand what fear feels like in that context. That's um, that's wonderful. I think that'll be very, very useful for people just to uh, hear exactly how you described it. You know, in some ways, you it's very much a system, um, and so, but in that sense, it's it's prove it's proven and it's now just being applied and rolled out, and people can support it and jump onto it. So I think that's. Um, yeah, those are the type of, the type of themes that we want to be uh, bringing to you, all of our listeners and viewers. Is that um, there's a level of impact, and you know, it's sort of the question of what are we all doing here? What's the purpose? How can we contribute in a positive way? It could be a personal journey um, that aligns with your interests, or it's it's maybe just supporting a community and tackling a big problem. So, um, yeah, I like that. Uh, I mean, it sounds that this is a forward path for you. Is this a couple years? A couple of years ahead of you to get the next level of success, or wh- where do you sit in the, the timeline of things? Like in a year from now, where do you think we're we're going to be? Well, like by the end of this year, I want to be uh, across Australia. So we want to have that footprint out across Australia, and we want to be making impacts outside of outside of outside outside of our state. Um, we've got a number of, of of initiatives that we're working with at the moment um, that we've set as as key markers for this year. But it's about making that. It's about getting that knowledge out there and it's about making an impact in the schools. Um, and then, you know, like we're happy to take a Pepsi challenge on anything. Just, you know, get, get a program in the school and then we'll run it for a term and, and you know, do your due diligence and, you know, take your, you know, survey your kids, set down some milestones, some benchmarks, and then measure them across the, the, the duration of the program. Um, and I'm not talking just in the school, talk with the parents. You know, I, I'm not interested in teaching anybody in isolation. It's got to be applicable across all scopes and domains that we live in. So if a child's really good at school but a rat bag at home, that doesn't really help, right? We want to, we want to produce good people who are good across all domains. That doesn't mean that they have to be perfect. It means that they, are, they understand that they are part of a larger journey and that they have value, they have personal value and they, they have the potential to bring something truly amazing um, to the community and potentially change other people's lives. Well, that's a good thing, mm. right? Um, and I think that there's far too many kids nowadays that are disenfranchised because of 
you know, we just, we're, we're, we're too busy or to be parents or, you know, we, that they get too much free access to, to the digital world, um, uh, which, which can be a, you know, that can be a, a pitfall of vipers, you know, if, if it's not managed properly. Are you yourself, um, uh, just if I pivot to yourself personally, are you yourself on social media? Do you, uh, absolutely get yeah, into the yeah. consumer world of all of that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I do it because it's, it's necessary for me to, um, to raise a profile in, in, in what I'm doing. Um, but I also communicate with friends overseas. That's the cheapest way to communicate with friends overseas. Um, the, um, I'm very, like myself and my wife are really, um, restrictive on our kids. So we, you know, we have a whole bunch of rules in our house that, you know, no electronic devices before the age of 12. And then you've got to show that you're responsible enough to handle an electronic device at the age of 12. And then you can go to this, you know, we, we, we're still, we still subscribe to the old rating system on movies. Like if you're if you're younger than fifteen, doesn't matter if it's a funny film, you can't watch an M-rated movie and all that sort of stuff. We, we are old school when it comes to that sort of stuff, um, and it does put us really, really out of the of the common sort of thread. Like we're, we're kind of outliers in that, but it's just there's plenty of people that do interesting um, things to try and get the right principles in with their kids and that's something that we before we became parents we said okay we had a we had a strategy that this is what we're going to stick to these are the things that we we won't negotiate on because it's really important that we have certain things that we do and don't negotiate on um so but around those and it's not to be nasty it's because i feel that number one it's really really good for learning how to goal set right and understand that some goals you just need you need to just trek for a certain period of time. It doesn't matter how good you are at it. There's a certain amount of time that you have to do before you get it, right? Um, so the, the the reward is not in the getting. It's in the sojourn, what you learn along the way. You've got so much time to learn as much about this process as, as humanly possible, right? How well are you utilizing that? Um, two, um, that if you, if you embody delayed gratification, the reward is so much sweeter, right? If you get it for free, it has no value. If you got to pay a million bucks for it, all of a sudden it's value. That's why, you know, a Veyron, a Bugatti Veyron is a million bucks or seven million bucks or whatever the latest one is, right? It's because it's it's special and we have these key things in our life, you know, there's special times. Well, what if we were to produce, what if we were to create a whole bunch of these things along, all, along a, a journey, right? These special moments that you could celebrate as a as a as a close family or as a community, you could celebrate these areas, and that they were universally recognised as a really really great thing to achieve. Okay, and that by achieving those things, you you then built in an infrastructure inside each and every one of the people that were on that journey that taught them that wow, it's really it's 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 really valuable for me to understand that I have value. I have value. What I say means something. It has an impact on society. So I need to be a bit more respectful, or I need to be thoughtful about my responses. Or, you know, geez, it takes nothing for me to go and help somebody in need. Wouldn't it, wouldn't society be a nicer place? Like if everybody thought that way, we wouldn't have to have charities. It's amazing, right? When you when you spell if it you out like that, think of it like it's just. But it's it's literally achievable. But it takes a, it, it, it takes a cultural swing and shift. Mm. Okay, I like I like those powerful themes, and I think there's elements there. You mentioned uh, you mentioned like celebration, which one thing we like to bring up a lot is you know 
for people that are pursuing things, like when was the last time you celebrated? Because a lot of what happens is you, it's, it becomes a little bit endless and <laughs> yeah. there's risk of burnout and, and so Absolutely, on. Yeah. Um, but then you also mentioned delayed gratification, which I really can relate to. And I think it's, there's definitely a healthy mix of that as well. So um, just for yourself personally, have you, have you celebrated something recently in life? <laughs> uh, have I celebrated something recently? No. I, 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 I'm going to give my, my CEO, Frank, good on you. I'm going to give him a shout out. He, he shared something with me yesterday in our team meeting. So Frank's very much around team meetings. And uh, so he shared his, um, his philosophy on how he gets himself into a really, really good mindset and um, how he keeps himself in check as far as how he chooses to deal with adversity and, and that sort of things in, in just day-to-day stuff. And he, he, he had this thing called, a, a, it's like a gratitude journal. And he, every morning he gets up, he does his meditation first, then he gets up and he does his gratitude journal. He says what he's thankful for. And he, he said, he shared this with us yesterday. And um, I'm all about personal agency and I'm all about delayed gratification. I'm all about, you know, um, um, being mindful about how fortunate I am um, and and trying not to take, trying not to let my natural proclivity for arrogance to step forward, right? To let go of the ego and just understand, boy, I'm lucky. I've, I've had some adversity along the way. I've had some challenges. Um, but I've also had some really amazing things happen to me, right? And I need to be grateful for that. And so uh, he shared this this gratitude, um, a general idea. And so I, I sat down this morning, just went through it, and it just – I was really, really grateful and I was very, very happy. And I had a, a, it was like a – what you, I suppose you'd call it a micro celebration. Um, after I completed that, I sat there, I looked at it, went, yep, and I followed his instructions entirely about, you know, write it out and then say it out loud, read it out loud to yourself and then write thank you after it and all these sorts of things. And, uh, boy, I felt good. I just, it just felt great, you know, and I, and I try to remind myself um, to be, to have gratitude for where I am in life because I could have been in a much worse, I could be not here. I was in a very, very dark place when I was younger and I, I, there's every, there was every chance that I would not be sitting here having a chat with you if not for, you know, to the grace of God or, or, or whatever it happens to be, um, you, know, um, you know, the fates decided it wasn't my time yet. Mm-hmm. But boy, oh boy, I, it's not like I didn't poke the bear enough. You know, I really put myself through. Some, some were really poor decisions. Um, others were how I dealt with with challenges and adversity, and I was just bloody awful at it. Um, it's not that I didn't. It's not that I wanted to be bad at it. I just um, I was hyper focusing on the wrong things, and, uh, and and there was bitterness in there, and there was resentment, and all sorts of things in there that, that I had to get. I had to take ownership of, and I think that's uh, a, a big part of this journey of what we're doing with the kids is letting the kids know that. Real courage comes from owning all of your own failings. Like, courage isn't Captain America. Courage isn't Superman. Courage is not those guys. We celebrate the qualities of those people. It's what's popular, right, in in, in pop culture. But real courage is accepting, is owning your failings. Because when you own them 100%, and it doesn't matter if somebody else is nasty to you, you put yourself in that situation, you perceived it a certain way, you can own it. As soon as you own it, then you have the power to do something positive about it. But if you blame somebody else for something, you've got a back door there where 
I can't control it because somebody else is holding over oh, the leash. Well, if I take the whole leash, it's just mine. And whether or not it's an awful instance or not, if I own it entirely, then I have all the power to change because I'm holding all, all the aspects of it. Now, I might not like some of the decisions or choices I have to make to improve that, but at least I get to make them. I think that's a big, I think that's, I think that's the telling difference in society today. That's how we make a change. That's how we change the whole culture. I like that. That's, that's a very clear, uh, I would say, approach. And that's probably, it seems uh, uh, almost a, a bit of a piece. And I wonder how much of that comes from the, the martial arts and the uh, mental clarity and focus. And um, like, you, you, you seem to um, have a, a mastery at this point in your life anyway. Of, of certain things. <laughs> of, of, of balance, right? Yeah, so I try to, I try to. So you've got the central mission, um, you've got your family. Is there a third vector, a third piece, uh, maybe a day off, you're, you're off doing something else, a bit of pursuing a personal something on the side? Uh, well, my martial arts is obviously, that's, that's, that's my personal gift to me. Um, I just love, I love the whole process of martial arts and self-improvement, and that helps keep me grounded. Um, uh, I, 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 I do, um, I, I love studying uh, religions. Um, I love studying the Bible. And um, and I love reading up on other uh, other religious experiences and and other uh, belief systems. Um, I find it like really really interesting stuff. Um, I wouldn't put myself into the category of being highly religious. I would put myself in the category of being highly engaged. And I and I understand that there are quantifiable lessons to be taken that will improve everybody's life around me if I embody them. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, just before in the chat, we were talking about podcasts and familiarity with them. Yeah, you've yeah. listened to a few, I think you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. is it uh, Joe, <coughs> Joe Rogan? You yeah, he's one, of, he's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think we want to have that kind of similar approach with no topics off limits, and we just want to invite interesting conversations and a bit of that. Um, you know, life is a journey, but you had a certain uh, approach that I think you mentioned. It was the um, uh, there's something to do with the footprint. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, okay. So, well, this is my daily. This is my daily ritual. I, I wake up. Um, I do. I do a bit. Of, uh, I do my my uh, my meditation and my breathing. Get myself um, just it's like getting myself in sync um, with my environment. And then uh, I, I lay myself a challenge um, when I'm getting up and I'm getting myself ready for the day. And that is, um, I have to leave a green footprint today that's my challenge for the day and that means that who's better off for me meeting them that day who's going to be better off than they were before i came into the scene that day now that doesn't have to mean that i have to rescue them from you know a tyranny or you know bail them out of bankruptcy or whatever it could be something as simple as a smile or a a, a, a kind gesture or something to make them better because i was there and so, and, and I set myself that challenge every day and then, and then I, I, I go through my day as best I can. And then at the end of the day, I scrutinize myself and I say, how many times did you make somebody else's life better because you were there? So I keep myself accountable to make sure that that's, and that's normally the last thing I think before I go off to sleep and I can just go, how oh, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this and say, so, okay, well, you can be grateful for that. Actually, and I'm grateful for the opportunity of being able to help someone else. That's what I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Um, look, I, th I think that's really 
some fantastic perspectives, not only on life in general and, and the greater mix of things, but um, there's probably a lot of takeaway items for people out there. Um, we've got the both the video and the audio uh, recording happening. P people might be wondering about the, the shirt, so I'll just describe it. You've got uh, the Ameda logo. Yes. You've got an Everlast logo. Oh, actually, it's it's now um, Madison. Madison? So, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, but it comes from the perhaps the boxing or it the does. Uh, yeah, athletics yeah, world. Yeah. So I'm saying uh, athletics. Um, and and on, the, on the sleeve, we've got Hornet. Now, you mentioned Jeff Horn. That's Jeff Horn. Early on. I didn't want to pass that. So, oh, of course. Yeah. Um, a lot of people may not be aware of the boxing world or even the Australian domination in the boxing world yeah, yeah. to a degree. Um, do you want to just give us a quick, uh, a quick uh, of the Jeff Horn connection and who he is, okay. just for everyone that's maybe not familiar, and then, um, yeah, just a bit of that, uh, and okay. then we'll wrap up with that. Fantastic. Well, Jeff Horn is uh, is is a legend in Australian boxing. Um, he's uh, he was recently defeated by Tim Zhu, um, who's Costa Zhu's son. So he's sort of. Uh, overtaken by a pretty good lineage, <laughs> got to say. Um, but Jeff was an amazing, uh, amazing boxer who actually was um, – he was a target of really, really severe bullying growing up, um, suffered with high anxiety, um, you know, to the point of like considering self-harm and all those sorts of things, which is where you go when – you, you start your options start running very very thin and you've been exposed to toxic levels of bloom for extended periods of time um, that's when um, and, and quite often it's gone from being the verbal into physical bullying and that sort of stuff where you're being intimidated and, and, and that sort of stuff so that escalation sort of balances out the other way but at the expense of the poor bugger that's being bullied Fortunately for him, he saw that that was a problem that needed to be rectified, and he went uh, he went through school. He became a school teacher, and he decided to take up boxing because he thought, "God, I've got to be able to protect myself." So, he, and he, he he took up boxing, and then he ended up finding the right mentor um, in in Glenn Rushton, who worked with him and and sort of took him into his into his stable, put him around winning people, winning personalities, people with a positive mindset. And then Jeff thought, well, I can stretch myself. And this is what I was talking about before about m setting micro goals. If we set small goals and we teach kids how to set small goals, that will grow into understanding how to build bigger goals because we build the infrastructure and the framework and the understanding there on how to do it. And then you just let them run with it according to their, to, to their drive. Well, Jeff did the same thing. He went, wow, I'm not too bad at this boxing thing. And he happened to have a bit of natural talent. And so he ended up going to the Commonwealth Games and he did well at the Commonwealth Games. And then he went on from there and he um, he became the world boxing champion, beat Manny Pacquiao, who no matter how you think, what your opinions are of how that fight went, the fact that he got there to fight Manny Pacquiao, that's pretty impressive. The fact that he beat him is equally impressive or, or even more so. And um, and then he, 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 he took his boxing career from there. He, he went out and he had a number of other fights and, and, and other things. But... What he wanted to do, you know, you know, boxing, you can't box forever. There's a lifespan to any any professional athlete. So they need to look at what what that that position has afforded them, like above and beyond what everybody else was. So it gives you a public platform. It gives you a profile. What, what good can you do with it? Well, thankfully, Jeff went, well, you know what I can do? I can help other kids that were going through my that – that are walking in – that walked in my shoes. Right? bullying and that sort of stuff. So he and Frank formed Ameda in collaboration with Glenn because Glenn's the business guy behind, gave them the infrastructure, how to build it up and all that sort of stuff and how to grow it. So you've got Frank 
who's the passion and the driving force. You've got Jeff, who's, who's obviously passionate about it. Um, he's, a, he's a great contributor. Like the things that he has done um, to help move a mater forward just in the public eye and raise awareness from his platform is nothing, it's nothing short of spectacular. And he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. He's a really nice guy. He's very articulate. Um, he's, he's engaging. Kids love him. I just think that he's amazing. Um, and Glenn's kind of like, <laughs> Glenn reminds me of, um, who's the, who's the, uh, Master Shifu from Kung Fu Panda. Okay. He's, he's kind of like that personality, right? He's just like, this guy's just really centered and, you know, he's just seems to have it all together. He's always got a, a really good, uh, he's always got a great story. He's always, he's full of stories, Glenn, but he's like a philosopher and he's kind of like a yogi. He's, he's just very cool. And, and he's just laid back. He's just, he's really, really nice guy. So, um, but the three of them together make a really powerful connection, right? And Jeff, um, and being in his position and, and, and understanding that same journey knows where you can go with it. So he wants to promote that to kids and he doesn't want kids feeling that they're victims, that they don't need to be victims of their situation or their circumstances. You can move beyond it. And there's a process to do that. Um, We've got um, that's Jeff, that and that's Jeff. Um, we've also got Charlie Hall um, on on the other sleeve. So yeah. um, Charlie Hall is an Australian autistic boy, twelve years of age, um, who was made a world boxing champion, anti bullying ambassador by the WBC in America. And he did it on his own. He didn't ask them, right? He just being he's a highly functioning autistic boy. So he's going to attract a lot of stick. And to his credit, he's got a real backbone and um, and he stood up against it. And he just started his, his his public posts about, no, I'm against it. And he took up boxing himself. And so, and then um, thankfully, you know, there's a big organisation. It's good to see that social media being used in a really, really positive way like this. And so they saw him, they flew him over to America, made him uh, an honorific. And he's got his own belt. It's a real belt. It's very, very cool. Um, and so his whole mission in life and his parents, to their credit, support him 100%. He's out there saying, hey, bullying's not cool. You know, um, he loves boxing, obviously, but he's very much about people getting along and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, he spoke publicly when we were speaking up at Rockhampton as well. He's a 12-year-old boy. Um, so he's, he's quite a, he's, he's an amazing individual. So g'day, Charlie. Uh, good on you, mate. Um, Charlie the Hammer Hall. It's his name, and he goes and does like he'll do uh, uh, public boxing bouts and stuff with professional boxers and stuff, and you get there and he'll box and it's great. He's just an amazing kid. Fantastic! So no, it's uh, it's action at all levels, so it's great to hear. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's wonderful. Look, that's a, probably a great way to wrap up. I, I know we we scratched on the the MMA, and I really was intending to get into some of that, but, but yeah. you know, you're not too far off. We can probably get you back for a little chat on uh, yeah, the absolutely. MMA world and uh, more, more details on that. But guys, that's uh, it's Brett Welland. Um, really appreciate you coming by with sharing your personal story. Um, if you guys want to follow any of that, um, obviously, um, there's the Amada website. Absolutely. Um, and then I'm sure there's ways to link up with uh, Brett personally. But definitely check out some of those uh, uh, Australian success stories that he mentioned at the end there. I think that's pretty uh, inspiring stuff. It, it is. It's great. And thank you very much for having me today, Scott. It's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege. Wonderful, guys. All right. And guys, keep getting engaged with us. Any comments or anything, uh, feel free to come on. And we always want to welcome your input. So thanks again and have a good, uh, enjoy your day. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Aussie Ambitions podcast. We appreciate your support and welcome your input. So if there is a topic that you would like to see covered, 
Please let us know via our website, aussieambitions.com, or any of our social media accounts. And please subscribe to receive all of our updates. We hope that you picked up some helpful tips helping you to get to where you want to go. And if you've got a story to tell and are able to come for a visit, definitely get in touch.